And uh, I, I, my buddy is up here, Jaws. I, I don't, did, did y'all see Jaws during the worship time? Did you? Did, he was right up, his nose to the glass, watching y'all sing. Did, I'm not making this up. Did, did anybody see that but me? And the light was reflecting off of his little thingies as he was, he was using his arms, you know, to praise God this morning. And, uh, he, but y'all say, say, hey, Jaws. Say hello to Jaws this morning. Very, very good. I am talking about life beyond the glass, and what I'm trying to do is focus you on your life beyond the glass of the world in which you live, okay? To heaven, life beyond the glass, seeing what you can't see now, but is dead certain, heaven, eternity, okay? Now, Joel suffers from two major monumental problems that uh, every person here suffers with as well. Number one, since Jaws lives in a very confined space, I mean, this is not a very big bowl, and all he can do is just kind of swim from one side to the other and up and down, and he sits and he stares more often than he does anything else. To Jaws, life is incredibly boring. Inside his bowl, I mean, what is there to do uh, all day long? Other than just kind of swim along, you know, and, but life's boring. But the second thing I want you to understand about Jaws is that because his life is boring inside the glass, he thinks that anything outside the glass must be boring as well. Randy Alcorn says, Satan does not need to convince us that heaven does not exist. All he needs to do is convince us that heaven will be boring and we'll focus on this life and not the, not the next. What I know from talking to Christians is that too many of our lives are just that, boring. Even though we read in Scripture that God builds in the lives of people and uses people and does miraculous things on a regular basis in the lives of people in the Bible, we don't expect God to step into our lives and do anything in our lives. And quite frankly, all being a Christian is, for most of us, is following a bunch of rules, coming to church on Sunday, reading our Bible every now and then, and that, my friend, if that's all being a Christian is, is very, very boring. And because... Our Christian lives are so boring, we cannot even imagine heaven being anything but a dull, boring, mundane place. And I'll tell you why. It is because Satan has convinced us that heaven will be little more than sitting on a cloud with a harp in her hand and, you know, wings and, and a halo, singing a, uh, an eternally long him sing in the sky somewhere. And folks, I want to tell you, if that's what heaven is going to be, I don't want to go. And neither do you. And the only reason I would want to go is that must be a better alternative than the alternative, hell. Folks, I want you to understand that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about heaven being boring. Over the last two weeks, we've been focusing on life beyond the glass, life beyond the glass, eternity, heaven. I've described it in a couple of ways. Week one, I described heaven as being a place of renewal and redemption. Last week, I talked about heaven being a place of, re of love and relationships. How many people have somebody you can't wait to see when you get to heaven? Family member, you know, a friend, 
Uh, we just had a friend this past week. We were at homecoming at Johnson Bible College. Uh, I mean, he was a CEO of Johnson Bible College for many, many years, and uh, uh, he ran that school in so many years. He went, to home to, uh, went home to be with the Lord after about a year and a half terrible illness and went home to be with the Lord on Wednesday. I can't wait to see Wilbur Reed. Man, uh, the stories that he will be able to explain to me while I was at school uh, in the 70s uh, and many other individuals. I can't wait to see my dad. I can't wait to see my brother. I can't wait to get there because I want to see so many. That, that was last Sunday's sermon. I could go on and on and on about that, but this morning I want to talk about something else. I want to teach you today what the Bible has to say about heaven uh, and, and its ability to be a place for us to learn and to grow and to develop intellectually. Now I got asked this morning, how many people believe that heaven's going to be a place of intellectual growth and development? And I would tell you that almost everybody here would say no, because less than 18 percent, uh, I'm sorry, 18 percent, uh, only 18 percent of people believe that heaven will be a place where we will grow and learn something new and develop, even though the scripture says that it will be what will happen there. In our minds, we think, no, 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 we get to heaven, we're just going to sit on a couch somewhere and vegetate, maybe have a remote control where we change slides every now and then to a different scene, you know. And we're just going to sit there, relax, and heaven's going to be a boring dull place. This morning I want you to understand that heaven's going to be a place of intellectual growth and development. I want to give you four words. I want you to write them down and uh, focus with me on four different passages of scripture today. Number one, write down the word new, N-E-W, new. And after you've written that down, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 21 and the first five verses where the apostle, uh, the apostle John records for us four times this word new. And I want you to notice them as we read. He's uh, looking into heaven, and he's uh, uh, describing for us what he saw. And this is what it says, verse 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new, say it out loud, new heaven and a new earth, number two. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the what? New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. For time's sake, jump down to verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne, that is God, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything, what? New. Then he said, write this down. For these are the words, trustworthy and true. Oftentimes individuals have the attitude that heaven is going to be a dull, boring place because once you've been there for a few years, you've seen everything, right? So what else is there to see? What else is there to learn? But the word that he gives there, I am making all things new, means that it's an ongoing progression and process of renovation. In other words, seeing something new, seeing some, learning something new every single day of your life. Now, I shared with you last week that I love my wife with all of my heart, and I do. She's the most special person in the world to me, but I got to tell you, my wife is strange. When it, <laughs> when it comes to what she watches on television, I, I mean, I want sometimes just grab that remote control and, you know, let's jump into ACC basketball, or you know what I'm talking about, something like that. But she, you know, I will go to bed and she'll be laying there watching. Guys, how many wives, how many I watch Say Yes to the Dress? How, you know, oh man. Or Project Runway. 
I just want to jump off a cliff, you know, and, and it just drives me nuts. But what happens to me, I find myself watching those crazy shows, Ron, say yes to the dress, and I find myself getting sucked in and say, no, honey, not that dress. The other dress looks better. You know, it's a terrible thing. But now, I do like those shows that, where they renovate something. You know, they have a house that's broken down or an apartment or something, and they build it up, they make everything fresh and new. Folks, if you're the type of a person that doesn't like change, don't go to heaven. Because heaven is going to be a place of constant newness. Constant, refreshing newness. New. Every day. New. Never, ever boring. Word number two is the word curious. Curious. Everybody say out loud the word curious, huh? Curious, all right? Turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 18. This fascinating story where Jesus is dealing with those knuckleheaded apostles again. And they're arguing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has already done all kinds of miracles and that sort of thing. And they're arguing who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. That's a stupid statement because Jesus is going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven, right? But they're arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And watch what Jesus does in verse 2. It says, he called a little child, little tiny child, toddler kind of child, and he had that little child stand among them. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like this little, uh, like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, in our minds, the job of, our, our job is to help kids grow up and learn how to act in church, learn how to act with proper manners, all, you know, grow up, and then you can be a Christian, but not, that's not what Jesus said. So you want to go to heaven, you need to be much more like little kids back there in uh, children's church than out here in the adult section, all right? Don't you love to be with kids? Uh, some, sometimes. <laughs> It's great being a grandparent. It is wonderful. I love my granddaughter, Julie, six years old. She's the sweetest thing in the world. She asks all kinds of questions. Her, her little mind, man, it, it, you can just see uh, your, her eyes are bright from the moment she wakes up in the morning. She never slows down all day long. She doesn't want to take a nap because she doesn't want to miss anything. I remember when Julie first began reading. And she realized it wasn't just a bunch of letters on a, on a page. They made up words. And then all of a sudden, those words made up sentences. And all of a sudden, those sentences made up paragraphs. And now she can read, and I am amazed at what she reads. I used to like when they sat there, every other word, I had to tell her what the word was. Now it's, Poppy, be quiet. I, I know, I know this word. And now she, she just goes, the light bulb went off. And all of a sudden, boom, she could read. Same thing happens with a child with math. They go from not knowing. 2 plus 2 equals to understanding exactly what that means. And a light bulb goes off. For a young child, every single morning is like Christmas morning. They wake up and they can't wait to get started in the day because something new is going to be there and they are going to learn and they can't wait to learn. Write down Revelation chapter 4 and 5. I want you to read it later. We don't have time to read it now. But what I want you to understand is, in that passage of Scripture, that heaven is going to be a place of constant curiosity, where our curiosity, man, will constantly drive us to learn 
new things. John writes in John chapter 4, uh, Revelation chapter 4, and he said, man, I, was, I, was, I had a vision, and in my vision, a door opened up into heaven. And I looked into heaven, and there was a throne in heaven. And on the throne, God himself was there, and I saw him. People can't see God and live, and I don't know how I did, but I saw him. And I saw the 24 elders, and I saw the throngs of people worshiping the, 20, uh, worshiping the uh, God on, the, on his throne. And I saw the lamb, Jesus. And he goes on and on and on. I saw, I learned, I heard, I witnessed curiosity again and again and again. You know, we've all created in the image of God, right? That's what it says in the book of Genesis. We're all creating the image of God. And uh, there, that means a whole lot. But one of the things I want you to understand is that God created us with a desire to learn and an ability to learn like none of the rest of uh, of creation. Now, Jaws in the bowl is a fairly intelligent uh, fish. He he is. He's mine, so he'd have to be intelligent, you know. Uh, uh, But I I want you to know, Jaws does not have a clue that there are over 32,000 other kinds of fish in the water. And he doesn't care. Even if I dumped him in with all of those 32,000, you know, he wouldn't care. He'd soon be fish food for a bigger fish, I'm sure. But, but you know, he, but you and I do care. And God created us with that desire to learn. Somewhere along the line, that changes in our lives, though. We go from wanting to be learners to learning is boring. Learning is dull. I don't want to learn. I don't care about learning. We don't open scripture to learn something new about God every day. We just kind of casually coast through, and maybe the preacher can force something into my mind this Sunday that I can learn today. Let me talk to you about why we uh, stop learning. I have a new ring ringtone on my... Uh, 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 I have a new ringtone uh, on my on my phone, and uh, what I want you to know is that uh, not everybody here is going to be able to hear this ringtone. I promise you. In fact, most of us here will not hear this ringtone. All right, just you won't hear it, and I'll explain why in a few minutes. But if you hear this ringtone, I want you don't say nothing. I just want you to stand up. If you can hear this ringtone, I want you to stand up. And I'll explain here in a second, all right? I hope it works. Y'all stay standing. Y'all stay standing. Now, look around you at the people that are standing up, and what do you notice about them? Either... Uh, they are lying. <laughs> I can't hear it. I, I did not hear it. Or, stay standing, or they have perfect pitch, perfect pitch, are very close to it. Evan, I'd say that's why you're standing back there, brother. Or they are under 30. It was a pitch, y'all can have a seat. It was a pitch, very, very high uh, pitch tone. Everybody else say didn't hear nothing. You didn't, because it's outside of your range of hearing. I'd say this to you. There comes a time in all of our lives 
lives as we age that we begin saying, I don't want to learn nothing else in my life. And we shut off our ears and we shut off our minds to learning. There's another reason, though, why um, I believe that adults stop at some point in their, time, in their life of, uh, in their learning process, and that is what uh, one writer calls the parasite of sin. Sin in our lives causes us to somehow change from being in the image of God, constant learners, and you see this as a person grows older, unless God is doing something very special in their lives. Don't you love being around a spirit-filled old guy or gal that loves the Lord with all their heart? Man, learning something new every day. Talk to them about any kind of music group. They either know who it is or they think they make you think they know who it is. You know, they're good, uh, they're, they're good at kind of fibbing on, on that. But man, you talk about anything, they know what it's all about. My Aunt Jessie went home to be with the Lord not very awful long ago, 10 years ago, and uh, my daughters loved being around my Aunt Jessie. She was in her 90s, but they loved it. Why? Because she was a learner. Till the day she died, she was learning new stuff. Now, this is the dilemma. We have the attitude that because life inside our bowl is boring, that life outside of our bowl, beyond the glass, heaven must be boring as well. And since we aren't learners now, we have that too. When we get to heaven, man, there's not going to be any learning to be done at all. Can I tell you, that's a foolish thing. Word number three. Throw up the next word there, and it's the word host. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2 is a fascinating passage of Scripture. Turn there, Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 4 to 7. And there's a statement that's made there that I want you to notice in this concept of heaven being a place of uh, intellectual learning uh, and growth and uh, expansion and development. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says this, But because of his, that's God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Watch this. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. He's talking about what heaven's going to be like in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace to us, expressed to us, uh, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10 that anybody that's willing to confess uh, Jesus before men, Jesus will be willing to confess them before his Father who's in heaven. Watch this. I love doing weddings, uh, and I do a lot of weddings, but my favorite part of the wedding uh, is the very end. You know why? Because it's the end. All right, I'm done with it, you know, and, and I have a party, and, and I can go home, you know, and uh, usually I get a check in my pocket as, as that comes along. It's one of the side benefits of, of being minister, just being honest. I mean, I'm not, I'm not as holy as you think I am, all right? Uh, David, it just, you know, sometimes it just comes down to dollars and cents, you know what I'm saying, man? But no, no, I'm teasing. Well, I'm not really teasing. That's, that's true, man. And, uh, but at the end of the wedding, this is the part I love. I, I love uh, saying, you're now husband and wife. Uh, you may kiss your bride. 
And I always stop and say, Lord, please kiss. You know, don't embarrass me. Uh, that's what tonight is for. You know, that? Not, not, not while we're here. And if you get my drift. And, uh, but then, when all that's said and done, this part I love the most. I'll have the couple turn and face the audience. Turn and face the audience. And I'll say, you know, for the very first time, I have the privilege of introducing to you Mr. and Mrs. Whatever. And everybody cheers. And that. Did you get what Jesus says? If you'll be willing to acknowledge me, confess me as Savior of your life before men, that's why we ask people to walk an aisle. That's why we ask people to come and confess Jesus before people uh, when you accept Jesus as Savior of your life. Because Jesus said, if you'll confess me before people, man, the day you step into heaven, I'm going to introduce you. That's what the word acknowledge, confess. I'm going to introduce you to my Father, which is in heaven. My friend Wilbur Reed went home to be with the Lord about 5.45 Wednesday evening. And at 5.45, the Lord Jesus himself said, Father, another one's home. Can I introduce you to my good servant, Wilbur Reed? He's been faithful in so much. Well done, good and faithful servant. We've got a host that will meet us in heaven. Week number one, we talked about the fact that Jesus is in heaven right now preparing a place for us, specifically for us. And heaven's going to be a place where that host is constantly wanting to show us newness. Because your place is never going to get old, never going to wear out, constant freshness and newness. Last word is the word learning. Learning. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, uh, I, want you to show, uh, I want to show you a passage of Scripture that is fascinating. This is a love chapter. You've heard it at a lot of weddings, that sort of thing. But it comes down to the end of that chapter, and I want you to notice what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12. He says, right now we see but a poor reflection as if we're looking in a mirror. But then, when we get to heaven, we're going to see face to face. Now I know, now here on earth, I know in part. I know a lot, but it's only a part. But then when I get to heaven, I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. To fully know literally means to know extensively. It means to learn. Folks, I want you to take your mind off of your pre-notions of what heaven is going to be like, cloud, harp, boring. I want you to understand this concept of heaven being a place of intellectual growth and development. I want you to understand that in heaven, you're going to have an eternity of fascinating conversations with fascinating people who did fascinating things here on the earth. Hey, can you imagine spending a day or two talking science with Isaac Newton or Thomas Edison? Could you imagine? Explain that light bulb thing to me. I just want to know how that works. For those that love literature, can you imagine just sitting down for a long talk with C.S. Lewis or his good friend Tolkien? Can you imagine? Tolkien, would you explain to me the imagery of Lord of the Rings? Would you really talk to me about what the Hobbit was really all about? I, I want to understand these things. Can you imagine sitting down with great, fine Christian people, saints of God, discussing Civil War history? 
with someone like Abraham Lincoln or Harriet Beecher Stowe? Could you imagine talking sermonology with Billy Graham or Charles Spurgeon or Charles Finney? Can you imagine the theological debates that you could have with A.W. Tozer or uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer or uh, Augustine or Calvin or Luther? And when a difference arises between them, John, could you imagine calling Jesus over and saying, could you straighten us out on this thing? Now, it's going to be cool, brother. That's going to be cool. It's going to be fascinating. Think, folks, beyond the glass. Well, folks, I want you to understand that there will not just be fascinating conversations in heaven. You understand that the Bible talks about numerous books that will be in heaven as well. Turn with me to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 20, and I want you to read just one real quick statement there about the books in heaven, and I want to throw some thoughts at you. We don't have time to turn, but I want you to get your pen and paper out and write down some ideas here. Uh, but this is what he says. He says in uh, Revelation uh, 20 verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. That's God. Uh, earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. The Bible explains at least four different types of books, that are uh, four different books that are going to be in heaven. Write them down. Number one, the Bible is going to be in heaven. No question about that. The Bible will be in heaven. You will be able to study the Bible in heaven. How do I know that? Uh, Psalm chapter 119, verse 89 says, Your word, O Lord, is eternal, and it stands firm in the heaven. Can you imagine being able to sit down with the Apostle Peter and say, Would you explain to me 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12? Or with uh, Isaiah, would you throw that prophecy, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 21? Would you, would you just talk to me about that? The Bible, number one, is going to be in heaven. Number two, the book of life will be in heaven. Revelation 20, verse uh, 12 says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The book of life, found here in Revelation 20, verse 12. It's mentioned in Revelation 13, 8, Revelation 17, 8, Revelation 20, and verse 12, and verse... Revelation 21, verse 27. It's mentioned in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 32, verse 32, 33. Mentioned in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1, uh, chapter 12 and verse 1. And it's mentioned in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3. My question for you, though, this morning, friend, is, is your name written in the book of life? And that's the most serious question I can ask this morning. Is your name written and the book of life. Because brother or sister, I want you to understand that you're not going to get to heaven based on what your mama did or your daddy did. And you're not going to get to heaven based on all the good things that you did. I'm a pretty good person, so I guess God's going to let me come into heaven. Friend, the only way you can get into heaven is by accepting Jesus Christ as Savior of your life. The Bible says, believe it in your heart. Confess Him as Lord. We've already talked about that. Repent of your sins and be baptized into Christ. The Bible says, in that incredible way, God's forgiveness comes on you. And anything that you have done is washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Friend, that's how your name's written in the book of life. We're going to sing a song here in a few minutes. 
And if you're not sure it's there, don't you leave. But I stepped forward, uh, step forward and talking to Aaron and I about how you can be sure that you're going to heaven. Not maybe, not I hope, but you can be sure. We want to talk to you this morning. The book of life. There's in the Old Testament, write down the book of tears or scroll of tears. It's found in Psalm chapter 56 and verse 8. Psalm 56, verse 8, it's a prayer. Listen to what David says. He says, record my lament, O God. List my tears in your scroll. Write them in your record. Think beyond the glass with me for a few moments. Anybody had a day when you were just totally broken? Anybody had a day of terrible loss? Man, when... And, and, and it was like, no matter how many people came along, pat you on the back, that encouragement wasn't. And then you had the Holy Spirit of God breathe his comfort into your life. Anybody testify to that? Man, I have over and over and over again. I can't wait to get to heaven one day and be able to go through that scroll of tears because I've cried a lot. Not as many, a lot of people. But I can't wait to get there and have the comforter explain to me what he was doing when I was going through that, that process. Think beyond the glass. Man, you will have an eternity for God to explain to you his loving touch and comfort in your life. That would be enough. But it goes on in the book of Malachi, write it down, Malachi chapter 3, one-fourth book, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. This is fascinating stuff to it describes there what's called the scroll of remembrance, the scroll of remembrance. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, where it says that God writes down those things that we do for him. Now, now and it's permanently written in a book in, he in heaven. Randy Alcorn says this. He says, how many times have we done small acts of kindness on earth without realizing the effects of those acts? <laughs> how many have shared Christ with uh, people and we thought it didn't, they didn't take it to heart but who years later came to Jesus partly because of the seed that we planted in their lives. How many times have we spoken up for the unborn child? How many times have we prepared meals for someone in need? How many times have we scrubbed floors? How many times have we done things for people and we thought nobody noticed? Jesus said there's not one person who has ever given a cup of cold water in his name that God didn't take note of. And according to Malachi, he writes them down in his book. Can you imagine the celebration of being able to sit beside the Lord Jesus Christ and him say, Sally Sue, I, I know you thought nobody saw this. You've probably long forgotten. But can I tell you about the day I was most proud of you in your life? day that you cared for somebody that nobody else would care about. I, I noticed that passage. And the books will be, be open. The book of remembrance will be open. And a wonderful time of celebration will be. Randy Alcorn says, the sense of wonder in heaven's inhabitants shows us heaven is not a stagnant place, but a refreshing and stimulating place, suggesting an ever-deepening ever appreciation of God's greatness. 
Heaven's riches are rooted in heaven's God. And we will find in heaven a continual progression of stimulating discovery and fresh learning as we grasp more and more of God and more and more of God's heaven. Folks, think beyond the glass. Heaven will not be boring. But heaven will be a place of learning and growth and discovery. Question's yours right now, and everybody got to say out loud. Throw a question up here. And the question is this. So what? What am I going to do with what you gave me today, Neil? What am I going to do? Let me give you just a couple of thoughts. A couple of thoughts. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is set at the right, seated at the right hand of God. Do you know why it is so difficult for you to see and look beyond your glass? You know why? It is very difficult for you to think about heaven. I admit it. There's not anybody here that says, oh, I can think about heaven all the time. Although, if we thought about heaven all the time, life would work a whole lot better down here, okay? If we just put into practice God's principles. It's very difficult for us to think beyond the glass, and I'll tell you why. Because Satan has so duped you with the sins of your life that you can't see beyond it. The Apostle Paul talks about the strongholds of your life, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. And he says to overcome those strongholds in your life, he says, take captive every thought. It's a mental process, spiritual mental process. There are some people that are here this morning that need to accept Jesus as Savior of their life. And Aaron and I are going to be right here. We, we would love to talk to you to make that happen in your life. But I know there's a whole bunch more people that have already accepted Jesus as Savior of their life who have never made Jesus Lord of every part of their lives. And friends, accepting Jesus as Savior is one thing. But accepting him as Lord is a totally different. I don't know what your stronghold is. Satan does very, very well. It might be your tongue. It might be your anger. It might be your eyes. Maybe your lust. Maybe your desire for things that other people have. Maybe your jealousy. But what I want you to understand that that thing, that thing that you struggle with every day of your life, that is the very thing that's keeping you from thinking beyond your glass to heaven's sake. So this morning as we sing a song, this is what I want you to do. I would like, if you uh, want to name Jesus as Savior of your life, and I'm serious about this, you want to know you're going to heaven, Aaron and I are going to be right here. Aaron's going to be there, I'm going to be right here. We'd love to take you by the hand and uh, walk you uh, through the process of becoming a Christian, okay? We'd like to see that happen. But quite honestly, I know there's a bunch of people here that are so, eyes so glossed over by sin, stronghold, addiction in your life that you can't even, you can't even see through the glass. You can't even focus on, you can't even think about him. And I'd like for you, if that's you, I, I, I'd like for you to just strip away the pride in your life. Who cares what somebody thinks about you? I'd like for you to get up out of your seat and just walk over and kneel at the cross and say, God, I, I, I have battled this sin long enough. Please help me, oh God, overcome this sin.
because I so much want to live in abundant life. And I so much want to be in heaven with you one day. Well, it's time to act. Let's just close out with prayer. Clay's going to come and lead us in a song. And if you uh, have a decision to make, get up off and do something about it, okay? You acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. Does that apply to you? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for us. Thank you for suffering so much for us. For looking into our lives and seeing our sinful, shameless stronghold. Thank you for dying on a cross to give the power to break those sinful things in our lives. Holy Spirit, we just give you permission right now to speak in our lives. Because, Lord God, we don't want to be a people that just does things for you. We want you to be a God that shapes and impacts our lives. And for many here this morning, we're just standing with eyes wide open, focused on you. Hands raised saying, Well, God, if you don't step into my life and do the miraculous, I'm toast. Move in our midst today, oh God. We give you glory and praise. Because of a word that a person has spoken. It's because of your Holy Spirit using feeble words to impact our lives. So we pray right now, you God, to surrender ourselves to you. Just move, if you would, in our lives and uh, change us eternally because of this moment in time. In Jesus' name we pray.